0: Hi, everyone. This is Eric, host of the podcast. And before we get into this week's episode, I just want to remind all of you listeners that registration is now open for the first big virtual event we're hosting this year, People, Place and Performance on the 17th and the 24th of March 2022. We're talking all things performance management. It's two days of virtual insight, discussion and peer led learning from our great partners at places like ADP, Ceridian, Bright Horizons, Reward Gateway, Sage, Coach Hub, Cornerstone, and so many others. So you can register at live.hrgrapevine.com. And now here's this week's episode. From hrgrapevine.com, it's the HR Grapevine podcast. I'm Eric Niewierowski. And this week, I wanna get into the great resignation. It's something that we've reported a lot in the headlines. Is it real though? And according to the ONS, that's the Office of National Statistics, at the end of January this year, there were still around 1.3 million job vacancies throughout the UK, although they did note that that rate of growth is slowing a bit. So there is a resignation. Is it great? Were these job roles that were still available pre-pandemic? Is this great resignation as great as we thought? So to help me tackle this, I'm speaking with recruitment expert, Paul Ferrer. He is the founder and chairman of Aspire, that's a specialist recruitment agency for digital media marketing tech, data sales, and creative across the UK, the US, and APAC. So Paul is going to offer his opinions on how real the Great Resignation is, what led to it, and he's gonna help me understand the various push and pull factors that HR teams should know about to not necessarily pull in new talent, but not push their current talent out.
1: Okay, hi. Uh, well, thanks uh, for having us on. Uh, my name is Paul Farrah. I'm chairman uh, and founder of a company called Aspire, our recruitment business, staffing business, specialised in the digital media marketing communications sector. that's something from market research and insight through to content, events, exhibitions, SaaS software in the tech area digital tech, et cetera, et cetera. So broad area, we operate in uh, the UK, in APAC, and in the US, where we have people in all those regions. Uh, and the companies or organizations we uh, work for are everything from uh, big network agencies through to small independent businesses. Great. Thanks for joining us
0: today. So I kind of want to, this, this week on the, on the podcast, talk about the great resignation. Um, I'm guessing from a recruitment side, is the
1: great resignation real? Is it really happening? <laughs> okay. Um, we have a unique set of events, I think, that have made it feel that way. Uh-huh. Uh but I don't I don't think it should be, I think it's dangerous to term it term it in that way. Um what what's happened is a whole sort of perfect storm scenario. So, so the perfect storm looks like a Great Resignation, but actually there are other factors in play mm-hmm. uh, that. That's, so the Great Resignation sounds like everyone's deeply unhappy uh, doing what they're doing, okay? Right. And, and, and that's, that's, always, that's not always the case. People, when they come to, to leave a job, you have to have pull factors. Uh, and you have to have push factors. So, so if I'm if I'm leaving, it's because there's a push. So, what is the push uh, to make me want 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 to leave? And then, obviously, the the attracting employers need to have the pulls. Yeah. Right. So, so so the events that have gone together, everyone obviously knows about the pandemic uh, and the hunkering down. So, you had this long period of hunkering down, and lots of people don't want to move job because they're fearful of last in first out philosophy that employers had. So so during the pandemic, a lot of people who were going to move, so let's say staff turnover was 25% in the business or whatever, 20%, -hmm. 25%, it dropped like a stone, because people were able to furlough their staff, and people didn't want to move. And so everyone just hunkered down. But those people had those push factors that year, and they were going to move, but they didn't. So that's all stored up come forward another year, have the same scenario going on, you've now built up two years worth of people who wanted to leave, uh, right. who haven't, and then they join everyone who's actually wanted to leave in the year that they're leaving. So, right. so a great resignation or just a, a tsunami of build up of, of what's happened. So, so to me, that's what's happened. And then of course, if you look at supply chain around the world, everyone's, you know, at home, you're trying to get something sorted everything you can't have it then you're gonna to have to wait months why because of supply chain problems what's well, right. exactly the same exactly the same in staffing uh, which is you've got supply uh, chain problems everyone's suddenly right okay we're back open for business oh great we need to hire people because we've let people go and all the rest of it and everyone's doing it at the same time right and fun enough where are all these people add the final layer to that which is uh, what happens when you have two years of people who are leaving School or leaving university, what, where did they go? What happened to them? Because right. they couldn't join companies and be trained, because people didn't have them figure that out. Twenty twenty one people sort of figuring it out, but before that, they didn't. Right. There was uncertainty, so I don't know what happened. So there's the, 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 this huge amount of population. Um, there's another layer as well, which you can add to it, which is people took stock of what they did and how they lived their lives and all the rest of it, right. uh, and whether they wanted to continue. And I think that is, again, a pandemic thing. I don't think that would have happened in normal circumstances. So people labeling it the great resignation, we'll call it that if you want. I don't think it, it is that because I think there's a whole range of factors that have come into play that just landed in the same period of time. Right. Um, and, and that's where we are. So it's just, like you said, a perfect storm of all these factors. I can totally see
0: wanting to move on, but lucky even to have a job, say, in 2020. That makes total sense. I love that the push and the pull factor, right? So, if we're talking about the pushing out, let's talk about the pull, right? So, what can HR teams from a recruitment side, like what's something you would want to tell HR teams if you
1: can to pull people away into a new role? Okay, great question, uh, which I'd like to answer the other (laughs) way around, answer the other way around and and try and knit this together. Okay. So, first of all, people don't often look hard enough at the push factors. So, for example, because there are so many of them, so right. many of them, uh, and they're all personal to the ind- individual. Every person's unique as to what their push factors may be, and it's not one factor in isolation. It's usually a combo of, of a number of things. So if we just give you a whole sort of bunch of stuff that, that might affect different people in different ways, some people may be looking to, to move on because they don't feel they were treated very well in the pandemic. Uh-huh. Example. Um, a lot of people, for example, who were put on furlough considered themselves to be second class citizens, of those who weren't. Right. And, and they haven't really recovered from that sort of coming back piece. Um, you've got cost of living. OK, so so there, uh, there's, I think, a new financial pressure that hasn't been seen before in the acute way that it is. I think that's new. Um, personal finance also. So people may have their own personal considerations. I want to get a mortgage or uh, we're just having a child, uh, maybe my partner, or whatever it is. And suddenly there's mm-hmm. things just totally personal to that individual that they want to change. Um, you've always got peer pressure. Social media is a terrible one for that. Uh, people always like to 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 brag a bit uh, about what they're doing and moving on to the next job, and not always completely honest about what what it is they're doing, what they're getting with it. Uh, your relationship with your manager has that changed, or is there a different type of manager? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your relationship with the team, or is there a different type of team? What's the corporate direction? It's very interesting at the moment. For example, you look at. Uh, the, the, the terrible events happening in the world, how some corporates are deciding to disassociate themselves, right uh, and others haven't made that decision. that, or that For some people, that will affect, affect them right now. Vision, culture, that sort of stuff. Uh, equity, diversity, and inclusion, huge increase in interest in this area. I think 2019, um, there was evidence that 54% of women would, would look at companies um, uh, diversity and inclusion policies before deciding mm-hmm. whether to join 45% of men, that was 2019 I reckon that's changed dramatically right. since um, it could be the quality of your product to service that you're working on, have you got the, the tools, are uh, competitors more agile, got better stuff than you've got um, what's the office environment like? Is there an office? Mm-hmm. Uh, are we working remotely? Are we working hybrid? Uh, do I get parental leave support? Um, what about my mental health? What support? Physical health, all that sort of stuff. So a, a, a ton of push factors that are individual to, to whoever that individual is. And so hiring organisations need to uh, often understand what those push factors would be. Now, depending on where those push factors are, how important they are at any one particular time. Uh, and our, our survey, the workplace trend survey we did, showed that 65% of, of people are considering a move this year. That's, that's enormous. Mm-hmm. And actually, I've seen surveys since it's higher than that, up to 75 and 85%, really? which seems pretty extreme. So, so that's considering. Okay? I think people get too excited about it. I think if you say to a lot of people, would you consider? The other considering is OK. Mm-hmm. What, you, what you have in the job market, and I'll come on to the pull factors in a minute, to link it back to what no it was, yeah. okay is is that if you think of candidates all of all available candidates and you think of it as being like an iceberg okay you have what we would term active candidates and uh, a lot of employers doing their own recruitment uh, target the ice they can see above the water what I right. call the a- active candidate marketplace these are people who've got the push factors they're on the market okay and they're looking for jobs now Weirdly, in many ways, this is the most difficult group to recruit, because at the moment there's so many options open to them. You've got to you've got to tick a lot of boxes to be able to get them. Okay? Right. So, so it's a it's a candidate dominant market, and, and candidates are choosing what it is they they want to do. Below the water, you've got all the inactives, and some people may call them receptive, some people may call them passive. Call it we want. They're not actively on the market looking for a job at the moment. That's where the bulk of people are. You know, we, we haven't got 75%, 65% of people actively looking for a job. You've got a very small percentage. You've got the bulk right. of people doing what they're doing on a daily basis. And those are the people that employers need to try and find because there's the least competition for them but it's about how do you understand what the push factors are if you've never spoken to them before. Right, <laughs> Difficult. right. Difficult. So you're absolutely right. You have to therefore have a, a, some guesstimation um, and some qualified thinking around, well, what pull factors do we have as an organisation? And, and so at the moment, people are talking about money a lot mm-hmm. because, because of the, the, the huge cost of living uh, changes that we're seeing. And that, that makes sense. Um, but it's not uh, it's not everything at all. Money is a hygiene factor. The problem with the money and and employers are employers hate publicising their salaries. I don't know what it is. I, I, to me, it's, a, it's, it's it's I don't think it's a personally a bright message to send out to potential candidates that we don't want to advertise our salaries because we don't want people to know you know <laughs> just Right, just, exactly uh, yes. i think it i think it's tough i think you should know what the value of that role is or the range of that value roles. and i think you should know what you can say to a different candidate about well a candidate with this this bringing this sort of confidence and skill level is going to get that and the candidate bringing this confidence right. that that's how we're going to measure it what they're frightened of is their own employees seeing salaries and going oh, hold on, uh, I need a salary rise. And this is one of the big problems. Why is it that employers seem to react to their employees when the employees resign? So, oh, please don't go. Here's more. Oh, we now suddenly something value you more because you decided to leave. Really? Interesting timing. So, so, so I think there's a, a, there is a, a constant thing, in, in my view, has been around for a long time, but really acute now, which is uh, wage inflation Wages are going up, and employers are paying more, but if you want a, a, a you know really decent salary rights, you move company. It's a bit bizarre. and And so you have an employer. you leave employer A to go to employer B for a, a, you know a five, a, a 10, 20 percent pay increase. okay employer A then is hiring from <laughs> employer D and doing the mm-hmm. same thing, but they're not they're not increasing the wages of all their people. right. Right uh it's just people coming in it It is uh a little bit bizarre, so the pull factors need to be in 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 now would be uh all sorts of things around uh hybrid working remote working office environment that there's i think in the creative industries there's always been much more flexibility than mm-hmm. uh than others uh but also don't think that means no one wants to work in an office people want that culture, uh, exactly. want, want that connection, teamwork, collaboration, all that sort of stuff. Um, so, so you have that part of it. Uh, you have things like uh, health issues, particularly mental health, um, people looking for much more support around mental, mental health, um, mm-hmm. uh, equity, quality, diversity, inclusion, massive on, 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 on the scale now as to what a company's attitude uh, is towards that, how they actually show what it is that they're doing uh, about that. So I think things like corporate values are, are, are particularly uh, high. Um, but it might be the bottom line has always been, and it always will be, uh, a couple of other factors, which is, what is the job? So right. if you're advertising, are you advertising the job as in your really dull job description? Um, so it's quite interesting how people advertise jobs, and then you read the job description, you go, these two the same thing. Yeah. This <laughs> um, doesn't line up. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but also, they tend to be really dull. There are very few job ads. If you think of advertising as, as total, and you watch, you know, you watch telly and other stuff, and you see ads, and you go, that's a really bad ad. And then other ads, you go, oh, that's a really cool ad. Okay. Uh, when it comes to job advertising, I don't think much thinking goes into it at all. Uh, I think no, it's not advertising people doing it. It's the HR people doing it, and maybe yeah. a social
0: media manager.
1: Yeah, well, some of the bigger companies have uh, you know ad agencies doing it for them, but I really? think it's become a bit formulaic. I would say my own company's uh, guilty of, of running out formulaic type mm-hmm. stuff, you know? Uh, and, it, and it sometimes is difficult to, to be different. I know some, some of our guy, guys are work, for example, are doing a lot more on video uh, and that type of stuff. And it, it changes, you know, it just changes, change, changes everything. It's quite, uh, probably, whether it's on message or, or, or not, it's interesting watching the Ukrainian uh, President Zelensky using these very short, snappy uh, video bits to, to right. get over, over messaging, and you're thinking, well, well, that's that's said more in 20 seconds uh, than the most people who ever will do in, in, a, in an ad. Yeah, and uh, and so why aren't we taking this a similar approach in, in social media? People use mobiles, that sort of stuff. Right. So I think I think how people present the ads are really really important. I think they're really really poor and dull and boring, uh, and there's a lot of them around, so you just get lost in this wallpaper of of ads. So, so therefore, how they present themselves, advertising directly, is really important. And then the process. So again, some organizations have this, "of this is our process, and we're not going to change it. It's going to be all right. these interviews. Well, by the time they get to the third interview, the candidate's gone. Mm-hmm. But, and then they shock horror, why, why isn't the candidate wait for us? Uh, because someone else was acting quicker, more nimble, and they want to work in that sort of environment. Right. They don't want to work in an environment where they think they got a good project idea or whatever. is going to have to go through all these layers of decision-making because no one's qualified to make a decision. Mm-hmm. You know, Again, so I think organisations looking at the decision-making process says, well, what does that say about us as an organisation? What message are we sending out? Yes, you can, be, you can still be thorough, but you can you can do it in a nimble, quick uh, way. So we've we've seen an incre- increasing number of companies going to a one-stage process. That is not a one interview. It's a one-stage process. Personally, I'm not a massive fan of, of a one-stage process on the basis that <laughs> you go in for one day, maybe for several hours, and you meet several people, because I don't think it allows enough time for reflection. For all those people who are reflectors, uh, who, who are activists and therefore don't want to make an immediate decision, they want to go and think about it, talk to people about it. Right. Uh, I, think, I think you need to have a little bit of, you know, What's the Consumer uh, Protection Act? You've got your your time where you can think about it uh, and then change your mind. And I think it's, it's dangerous to be too fast, but for some companies, it's working extremely well. But for those that want their three, four interviews, I mean, good luck. Right. Uh, you're not going to be hiring anytime soon. So
0: it seems, you know, like money is important, but purpose is certainly important. And I think about kind of my trajectory in coming to the UK and finding where it first off, just to come off of what i was absolutely shocked to see salary information on job adverts here in the uk because that's not something that is talked about in america until that final step of, of of the process so for me personally everything you said i'm i'm thinking anecdotally right about like myself and and my journey and while money is important and it's great there is certain things that i value more now than I did say in 2019. Flexibility, being able to take my kids to school, not having that be a chore of the day, but it all just kind of intertwining, right? So just to kind of wrap up the the, the questions today, is this, is all of this purpose meeting employee, you know, the push and the pull, is this a, is this constant? Is this what we can expect? Or will this sort of idea kind of Calm down, and we go back to thinking how we thought in twenty eighteen where money driven and and less about you know all of these other things and more about company bottom line profit
1: and salaries. Uh, I think uh, my answer is not a yes or a no. I th- mm-hmm. I think they I think we're adding to the decision making process these ca- extra categories are being added in, and people are uh, applying different weight to them depending where they are in their cycle. So if you have someone who's, let's say, in the been working for say three or four years, uh, they'll have a different decision making process to someone who's been working eight, 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, pe- people tend to turn over job much more rapidly in earlier years and then it slows down. Right. Uh, as 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 people have more experience and get older. And obviously as people go up the pyramid, there are fewer uh, opportunities, but it's also decision making. If you if you ask most people in their 20s right, where well, you concerned about your pension, they think what <laughs> what right. are you talking about? You know, you ask most people in their 40s uh, uh, about things and they're saying, uh, how do the pension contributions work? How's the, how's the family health thing going to work? Again, better?
0: thinking that that's definitely been part of my journey in the last, thinking yeah. from like first job offers and even in my early 30s to now in my 40s, that is a very big thing that you just don't, yeah. don't
1: think about. Yeah. Yeah. But I, think, I think for me, I think it's always going to be, what is it I'm actually going to do on a day-to-day basis? the right. job. Uh, so do I feel good? Does that give me pleasure to to do that? Who am I doing it with? OK, because that, all the daylight hours I'm spending with these people, if it's physically in office or liaising with, talking to, collaborating with th- these people. Uh, who is it I'm doing this for? Do I actually believe in this organisation and what they stand for, uh, which covers everything, including diversity and inclusion and, and what have you? Uh, where, what training and development am I having? Is this company investing in me and mental health, physical health, is there a career I can move on to here? Mm-hmm. All those things. So at the moment, everyone's got a leaky bucket. They're running around recruiting like mad, paying people lots of money to join, and at the same time, people are dropping out the bottom. Um, right. So so if, if they want a really good recruitment policy, start with retention. Right. Got it. it seems simple enough, right? It seems simple mm-hmm. enough. All right. Well, thanks so much for talking to us
0: about all of that. I really appreciate it. No problem. Well, thanks so much to Paul Ferrer the founder and chairman of recruitment firm, Aspire, to help me really kind of break apart what this great resignation is, how much longer it's gonna last for. And really, I think the main takeaway I got here is that the people function really has to know what the push factors are before it causes their top talent to leave. There is that war for talent going on right now. It's easy for people to move on to better opportunities or in some cases, If the purpose isn't there, even just a lateral opportunity. So once again, thank you to Paul. Thank you to everyone for listening. And I will be back next week with another edition of the HR Grapevine podcast here on hrgrapevine.com.